Welcome to podcast number 13, Depression and Bipolar, What to Expect During Treatment and Recovery, Part 1, what I'll call the afflicted. What does it mean to recover? Now, what should you expect in treatment? How long is treatment going to take? Is it going to last my whole life? What happens if I don't recover? Am I always going to be this way? What if it just doesn't work? Now, I think somewhere deep in the consciousness of every person who has acknowledged that they have a mental illness is the question, is it always going to be this way? Am I ever going to recover? I think that one of my greatest fears with my bipolar illness was that I would never be whole. I would have to live with my medicines, emotions, depressions, and highs for the rest of my life. I'd always be and feel somehow broken and different. I wouldn't be able to be the father I'd hoped to be. My wife would always in some way be my caretaker. And how fair was that to her? My children would grow up without the father who would have to spend, who would grow up with a father who would have to spend more time taking care of himself than with them. I would disappoint everyone. The same for me was true for the gospel too. I had at times felt the happiness and joy that it brought a testimony, but those moments, moments had been few and infrequent. More often than I would like to admit, going to church was difficult, being around groups of people just plain nerve-wracking and exhausting, and my pace in the gospel was often more start and stop than a steady movement forward. At times I felt as though I could take on anything, then I would crash and couldn't even go to church with any resolve. I wanted so badly to be involved, callings and service, but I really couldn't be for any length of time. I felt helpless to a disease that took from me the joy of my life, my testimony, and any semblance of normality. And now I realize that I was bipolar, and it might be very different for someone who is clinically depressed. Now, emotions such as charity, love, hope, faith, and even spiritual feelings, for me, were too infrequent to put together a string of what might be called spiritual successes. I have no doubt that anyone who has had a mental illness for very long doesn't understand how frustrating life can be when you want to be spiritual and self-sufficient and life is anything but. You want to serve, to be a building block in the temple of the Lord, to stand tall and sturdy, be part of the structure, but you feel more like the tulip on the, in the garden on the outside, useful for a few weeks when your petals show, but then dormant until you bloom again. You feel like giving up and giving in more than fighting. Having said, now having said where I was feeling or what I was feeling during a portion of my life, what happened when I actually accepted the disease and sought out treatment? What should a treatment or recovery look or feel like? What are the pitfalls, the signs and things that I should be concerned about? What is the process? I'm going to split this podcast into two separate ones. The first being for those who are afflicted with the disease, and the second for those who are supporting the afflicted, or who I will call the affected. Now, it's going to be important for both of you, the afflicted and the affected, to listen to both podcasts. Now, first, for those who are afflicted. I wish I could tell you that it was going to be easy, and you would feel completely different right away, completely normal. But the reality is that every recovery, every treatment from the disease looks different. There will be some similarities between all of them, <clears throat> but for the most part, your recovery will depend upon what is causing the illness, what you use and what works as treatments, how well you do in sticking with those treatments, 
and even compounding issues such as addictions and support. But let me say emphatically before I get too far, the effort to treat and manage the disease is worth the price of admission and that you're going to feel better. As I've stated in podcasts before, the the first thing anyone who has the illness must do is recognize it for what it is. It is an illness. Whether your illness has a trigger event or not, whether it has come slowly or progressed more quickly, one of the main factors that will affect your recognition is that depression will change your reality, the way you view life, the way you view other people, the way you view your own emotions, and so forth. You will be unable at times to remember what it was like to be happy, what your life was like before the illness. The second main factor that will affect you accepting it as an illness is that in most cases, it's going to come upon you slowly over time. You will not be able to tell the difference between weeks or days as it progresses. You'll have nothing to compare it to. You're going to need help recognizing it, and that is where those who are closest to you come into play. Those who love you and are close to you in a relationship will notice the changes in the way you talk, outwardly look, and the way we speak with our bodies. They will see what you cannot. The changes to your reality that are happening. To them, you will seem like a very different person, even if you, it doesn't seem that way to you. So the key is to listen to them and accept both the idea of mental illness and the help. Once you've accepted and recognized the illness, you can move forward with treatment and recovery. I will note that sometimes accepting the, the illness for what it is can bring some relief and you might feel a little more invigorated. That is good. The first thing you're going to have to do in your recovery is to let your walls down and be truthful about everything. This can be difficult for someone living within the boundaries of the covenants of the gospel, as mental illness often causes individuals to look for self-medicating methods of treatment, and many of those methods are outside the boundaries of church doctrine and policies. Do not be afraid to move forward with this part of the issue, as holding it back is going to increase the amount of time that you will need for recovery and will likely create a, what's the best word for this, a crash in the system. Almost every self-medicating treatment outside the boundaries of the church, and even some that self-medications that are some inside the boundaries, are going to be addictive habits, and you're going to need help. You simply need to be truthful about the disease and its effects it's had upon you. This part is going to feel a little overwhelming and difficult, and yes, you're going to need help with the addictions. This will mean both from spiritual leaders and those who love you. Now, it can be difficult to tell those who love you what has been going on. And yes, they might be disappointed and even upset, but they will get over it. If you'll have them listen to the next podcast, I will help to temper their response and provide them some insight. Your spiritual leaders are going to be merciful and kind, and you should not have any concerns talking with them. They will want to help. Make sure you mention that you have a mental illness and that these addictions are part of it. Now, I served as a bishop for a time, and I can tell you that the mantle of a bishop is very real. The Lord tempers his servants, and he provides for them. So there's really nothing to fear. Once you've accepted the disease and begun to work through some assessment of where you are, the real work of treatment and recovery can begin. Before I go too far from this point, I want to mention that the Lord is one of the key elements that you will need in this process. He will be extremely important in both the physical and spiritual recoveries. If you approach him honestly and regularly, 
Even when you don't feel like it, the Lord is going to be very merciful to you. That I can promise. Remember, his help often comes in ways that are not always perceptible, but they are miracles just the same. The road of recovery is going to diverge for every person, and it is going to be different. The only thing I can really do is tell you what I know about the recovery, and then add some insights from others as to where your recovery might be different. For the most part, I think you will see many similarities as you begin to walk your own path, or if you're already in the path. Now, my moment of realization came when suicide became very real, and I've discussed that previously. I was in a deep, dark place, and for the first time, I was really willing to accept help. I hope that you don't have to come to that point before you get help. However, it isn't uncommon. I really didn't know what to do at that point. I had access to the college health system for mental health, and so I made an appointment with a psychiatrist. It didn't take him but one appointment to diagnose me me with bipolar and begin treatment with lithium. That was the most common treatment for bipolar when I started. They have much better medications today. The lithium made an almost immediate improvement. My experience has been that many people I have known have responded fairly well to medications, and they can provide a significant benefit in recovery. Now, I do understand that not everyone agrees with the medication pathways, and there are some that have very strong objections. I would just say that to each his own. We should respect everyone's decisions when trying to get help. Treatment and recovery are difficult enough without added social pressures. Now, the lithium for me was just a start. I had to work with several medications over several years before I found a combination that worked most effectively. Now, that process was difficult, but in the end, it was actually very much worth it. Here's going to be one of my first divergent pathways. I had bipolar mental illness. It is most commonly transferred by genetics. My grandfather had, my bloodline grandfather had bipolar and my mother depression. Medication made sense because there was no trigger event for me. There was nothing causing the illness other than an issue with emotional chemicals controlling my body and my genetics. There are several other pathways and medication may not always be the best and first option. There are individuals whose depression is caused by one or more trigger events. These can be large events such as abuse, rape, serious accidents, and so forth. However, this doesn't mean that, well, this doesn't mean that they don't have a contributing chemistry along with the trigger event. It simply means that different methods will be needed in the recovery. In the trigger event cases, counseling can be more beneficial, and sometimes counseling and medication are needed. My doctor didn't really see any reason for me to receive counseling Uh, just because of when I was diagnosed and the nature of it. But in retrospect, I think that I could have benefited greatly by it. Counseling counseling isn't just talking about the problems and trigger events and issues. They can teach coping mechanisms for moments of high stress and helpful reconstructive thinking patterns and more. As my children have seen counselors, I have seen the true benefit. I would recommend counseling for anyone who is dealing with the disease. Now, again, the counselor should probably share your beliefs and understanding and understanding of church doctrine. Once you counsel with spiritual advisors, doctors, and counselors, and so forth, you may feel some relief and even some difference in the burden as you've now shared it. That was the case for me. The medication helped, and so did the diagnosis. You are likely to start feeling some hope for the future, 
You might even begin to return to some of those activities that you love to do. I did. Just be careful to ease into it. There is a strong tendency to overdo when you feel better, and that often contributes to a difficult crash later. Your recovery is likely to have a few stops and starts. It is the nature of the illness and its effects upon the reality of the mind and soul. Don't despair when they happen. Just keep going. In my own life, I found that it was simply better to forget and move on as if nothing had happened. I realized that depression and its guilt-filled, regret-fired engine makes moving on very difficult. So just do the best you can. When the first few bad moments happen, it's going to feel defeating and demotivating. You may even need a little help getting back up on the path to recovery. This is why you're going to need someone to help you keep moving forward and why you're going to need to listen to them. Now, life has a way of pushing us along our own cultural path, meaning that while you're in the process of healing and recovering, life is going to throw you a few curveballs. You may be a student at college, a young mother, a teenager still in high school, junior high, or even middle school. You might be middle-aged or even older. Each of these phases of life bring their own challenges, and I certainly cannot begin to provide a comprehensive list. Challenges will come at the pace of social and family fabrics, and they cannot often be avoided or controlled. However, one of the best things someone who is trying to manage the illness can do is to avoid adding further stress into an already difficult situation. This means that trying to take an accelerated amount of classes in college or AP classes in high school might not be a wise decision. If you're a young mother, taking on additional burdens at church in the community might not, which might not be what you really need. If you're a young father, maybe that promotion is not really what is best for you at the moment. I think that you get, I think you get what I am trying to communicate. The one thing that is going to be more difficult is that when you feel better, even incrementally better, you are going to want to do more, serve more, and be more. Now, church, the church of Jesus Christ teaches you that happiness is found in service, accomplishing more for others, and losing yourself in service. The teachings are very correct, and there is likely no harm in small additional service, but the driving force inside of you is going to want to do something far greater in scope than your body can handle. This happened to me on a regular basis. It is likely going to happen to you. However, what is going to create what it is going to create is a collapse of the system and one of those stopping moments in recovery. It may not happen right away, but it's going to happen. Once you realize that you cannot do what you had planned at the scale you planned it, guilt is going to replace the feeling of service and then the illness is going to take over again. Part of the recovery will be to learn what you can and cannot accomplish. These lessons will be some of the most difficult parts of the treatment process. I don't know exactly how to help every person through this portion of the process. My advice is to say when you're start well my advice is to say when you're starting to feel better and go to plan what you're going to do next, I would recommend pairing it back to about 50% of what you think you can do and see how it goes. This is going to feel strange and as if you aren't doing enough. I get it. But a collapse of the systems, the internal systems, and starting over is going to feel far worse. You're going to have to manage your stress level and the things that you do. Managing the stress level with up and down days, along with relationships and day-to-day activities, is going to be your greatest challenge. One of the things that took me years to learn 
and I am not sure that I ever really learned to do it was to say no. If someone asked me to do something and I knew that it might tax my reserves, I would still say yes. In the Church of Jesus Christ, we don't say no. I don't think that is a doctrinal teaching, but is one of those unwritten rules. We don't say no to any opportunity to serve, help, work, or really anything that, well, that lies within the gospel boundaries. The unwritten rule works well for those who do not have limitations with mental or physical illness. But it, well, it does work well for those who have limitations with mental or physical illness, but it does not work well for those who do have a mental illness. I'm not saying that you have to say no to everything and hide out in your closet, but you do need to be wise about it. Taxing your reserves on a regular basis is not going to provide the healing that you want during the recovery process. Once you get stable and feel as though you might be able to do more, then perhaps you can say yes more often. However, during a major portion of the recovery process, you will need to be more willing to say no. If you can't, then tell those supporting you and they can do it for you. Understand that your body needs to remain as stable as possible during the recovery. This is true for relationships as well. Going in and out of relationships during the recovery process will add a significant length of time to recovering and treatment. It may even send you back to the starting point a few times. Stable relationships are critical in the healing process. It is, if you are single, it is wise to be very cautious about dating during the recovery process. Now, I did it, and I would say that I got very lucky to have found my companion during that time, although I had not really started the recovery process. But this is unlikely to be true for most people. Relationships and serious dating can compromise a recovery effort, especially when the relationship ends. I'm not saying that casual dating is not appropriate and you can't do things with friends. I'm not even saying that you can't seriously date. You're just going to have to be very cautious about it. And those you are dating are going to have to know about your illness. There are going to be times in your recovery that you're going to feel helpless and troubled. I did. Understanding the disease brings relief and, th and then also it can bring some anxiety. Relief that you understand the illness, but anxiety that it has such control in your life. Anxiety is likely going to be a common theme as you work through the process, especially when you have bad days, and there are going to be a more than a few of them. You're going to wonder if you ever will be whole, if the treatment process is worth it. Now, counseling should help with the anxiety, so should your conversations with the Lord. However, if the anxiety becomes more difficult, there are therapies that exist for anxiety as well. Now, moving on to other concerns during this process, it is very likely that during the time before you received your diagnosis, you associated some negative feelings with some very good activities. Activities such as attending church sacrament and social meetings, reading scriptures, ministering, and even service opportunities such as callings might have been affected. You are likely to feel great anxiety to returning to these activities. It might take some real time to feel whole again. With many of those common things we do as church members, it is okay to feel anxious, nervous, and unsettled for a time as you return to these activities. You need positive experiences to counter the negative ones. You can only do this as you work through the treatment process. If returning to church full-time is too much, then go only for a sacrament for a time. If trying to return to everything fully is causing too much stress, then you will need to take it more slowly. 
I had a very difficult time doing this. I wanted to be fully engaged, fully involved when I felt good, but it wasn't always good for me. So do whatever you can and call it good. The Lord will provide ample amounts of help during this time and in this regard. I would also recommend receiving priesthood blessings as often as you need them. I found that asking the priesthood to provide a blessing is one ways, one of the ways we can show the Lord our humility. I know he will respond. Return to the gospel at a reasonable pace. This doesn't necessarily mean you shouldn't push at all. You will need to do some work to overcome the anxiety, but you don't have to do all the work at once. Kind of like the scriptures say, you don't need to run faster than you have strength, but I have found it's important to still run. Now, the same thing applies to activities outside of the church, in the community, school, parenting, and so forth. You will have to decide the pace at which you return. Now, on to something else that's going to be important to you understand. Your relationship is going to change with those around you. If you are married or close to someone, parents, friends, especially someone who has been supporting you closely during your illness, the relationship changes are going to have to be managed because they are going to be significant. They can actually place a strain on the relationship that may cause another one of those restart moments. You're going to have to communicate regularly with the individuals. One of the main issues that will arise is the dependency upon the support person. As you start to feel better, you're going to start to feel more independent. You're going to want to be more independent, as it does feel good to the body and soul. However, remember that your companion, your parents, your friend is not changed, and the changes in you are not felt on their side. They can feel as though the relationship is changing in ways that makes them feel less needed and wanted. You may have to continue to show additional love and concern as you make your way out of the darkness. Continue to communicate how you're feeling and that you're very appreciative of their help and that you still love them just as much. Because as much as you start to feel more independent, you're still going to need them. I'm going to make a quick note about treatments, especially medication, because it's important. You're going to start to feel better, and for some reason, depending upon a pill, makes us feel weak. I don't know why. So almost everyone who uses medication has a tendency to go off the medication once they feel better. The doctor may even warn you about this. All I can say is don't do it. It will put you back in the depression cycle, and the cycle may become worse. The same is often true about many other types of treatment. You need to continue to watch sleep cycles, food you eat, counseling, exercise, and so forth. The whole reason you feel better is because of the treatments. Depression doesn't normally just go away. In fact, it's very rare. Be very cautious about stopping any of the things you are doing to treat your illness. Unless it is causing stress and anxiety and moving you to spiral downward, you need to stick with the treatments. You are going to need help with this. You are going to need support. And at times, this support is going to be a little over-persistent and annoying. Make sure that you thank them for their over-persistence and annoyance. Let them know how much it means to you. Their acts of service may often mean the difference between life and death. For me, I believe that to be true. I have often referred to my wife as the angel who saved me. Now, in closing, I want to mention that the treatment and recovery process is often difficult, and you may need to pull back a little and rest. This doesn't mean you stop treatments or stop moving forward. It does mean that your body is going to change over time, and you need to listen to it to a point. 
Part of the main issue with depression is that you're really listening to your body. It would cause you to never leave your room and spend 18 hours a day sleeping. So you need to listen to just a small portion of it and know when things might be too much. Surprisingly, you might be surprised to find out, actually, those people helping you in your recovery will likely know before you do when you have reached that point. You're going to need to listen to them when they say you've reached that point. Finally, while I've have mentioned the Lord at several points during this podcast. Remember that it is he who has allowed you to pass through this experience, that he has a plan in so doing. Do everything you can to stay close, even when it doesn't seem that you and he are very close. And finally, remember the Lord requires the fight, and that he could do his part. Now, next week's podcast is going to cover what to expect on the support side of the depression during the treatment process. We'll talk to you next week.